for another episode of the Freewheeling Podcast. Once again, joined by Amy Jones. I'm switching it up today. Amy, how's it going? Good. It's been miserable weather today in Drona. Always the weather. Always what it has. (laughs) To be fair. (laughs) (laughs) I'm keeping up the tradition. It is notable, though. It, It doesn't normally rain like that. It's been... You are wearing a yeah. lovely sweater. We can see each other for the listeners. Well. Yeah, your sweater is great. It matches Thanks. your Coca-Cola can. <laughs> Not sponsored. I have a terrible addiction to Coke Zero. Uh, Lauren, how are you today? I'm good. I was like, don't jump into a long-winded story if she introduces you first and don't talk about the weather. Just say you're happy to that be That was me. Through. Thanks. <laughs> but Amy beat me to the punch. No, on... on the other side of um, things, well, you guys watch the race today. It's sunny in Belgium. So, I mean, we'll get into that later. But yes, as always, happy to be here talking cycling with the two of you. Yeah, Flesh Malone today looked really nice. The weather on the side of the road and all of the panning shots as they like came over the towns and over the river and stuff were actually quite beautiful. I was thinking, man, it would be nice to be there. But before we get into Flesh Alone, we should start. We should talk about the Amstel Gold Race that happened on Sunday. Yes. Amy, do you want to break it down, <laughs> or do you want me to break it down? I think you're better at this, Abby. <laughs> <laughs> we talked last time about how they had to change the course into a circuit, so they did seven laps of the circuit, which meant three climbs each of the seven laps, seven times up the Cowberg. It was a really aggressive race, fast from the gun, attacks just left, right, and center. It came down to Grace Brown being off the front before the final ascent of the Cowberg, which I think watching it, if you saw Grace Brown go off the front, all of us were like, well, that was silly of to let her go. But she was brought back at the base of the climb. Anamique Van Vluten attacked. We'll get into that. And when she kind of topped out, it was Kasia Niwadoma who threw down a absolutely beautiful attack. Aliza Langa Borghini rode up to Kashini Udoma and the two of them were off the front leading into the final K and a half. Aliza did try to get away from Kasha at one point, but Kasha clawed her back. And under the Flamme Rouge, Aliza refused to refused to work. Uh, basically shook her head, told Kasha no. Kasha looked quite upset, which I would be as well. So they got caught with 350 meters to go, and Mariana Voss won the sprint. Second was Demi Vollering, and Annemiek Van Vluten took third. So a lot of things to unpack here. I think we should start in chronological order. Goes without saying, Grace Brown, really a rider to watch when it comes to these types of races. Watching her, when she went off the front for a good couple minutes, I thought the race was over. Yeah, it was a brilliant attack and, of course, setting up Amanda Spratt nicely so she didn't have to do a thing. And then it was Trek Segafredo who led the chase, I believe. So um, Ruth Winder doing an incredible job with Lucinda Brown. Lucinda Brand? My God, Lauren. Um, (laughs) Always racing really well as a team, Trek Segafredo, but then I guess we'll get to the end part in a little bit. Um, I was really excited for the finish and um, yeah, when Anamique, I don't know how far we want to go into it, but obviously SD Works then came to the front and started working. Um, 
And I guess they were pretty confident they were going to bring Grace back. We all know that when you hit the bottom of the Kalberg after a long, hard effort, um, that the legs can blow up pretty spectacularly. So um, great move by her. But once that was brought back, um, I was actually surprised that Anamique went so early into the climb because it's a pretty fast run in. And she, she really took the speed and attacked. But I feel like I don't know if that was the right move. She has been going quite long with her attacks. Um, if we will we'll talk about today later. But, um, yeah, if you guys want to jump in before the final club. For me, it was the final two. That was the most interesting part and the biggest thing to sort of, well, it's been all over social media, people trying to understand the tactics behind it. Yeah, I think... When it comes to Van Vluten, her attack, she'd attacked multiple times throughout the day. I mean, it wasn't her first move of the day, but what really struck me about her attack was how fast she basically came to a standstill. I mean, she's not the Van Vluten that we have seen just dominate in the past and ride away from the Peloton, whether that's because the Peloton seems to be on a whole nother level this year um, with multiple riders kind of stepping it up and, and really being able to compete with the likes of Van Vluten, or if it's because she's just not quite put it together yet and, and we'll see more out of her later in the season, which I would not be surprised in the slightest. But she really did struggle on the final ascent of the Cowberg. And then, I mean, Cash's attack was amazing. The numbers that she put out for that five-minute move are staggering it was like 10.5 watts per kilogram for that attack and she looked amazing especially when uh Lisa Langaborghini attacked her at the top of the climb and and she was able to to claw back on because I think we've talked a ton about Langaborghini and how strong she's been this season she's been the strongest rider all season and so the two of them going into the finish when Elisa stopped working, you could see the group behind them chasing. And it was SD Works had the numbers in there and Ashley Momenpasio was bringing it back. And we already knew Demi Vollering can sprint because she was second at Brabant's Appeal earlier in the week. And we know that Voss was in there. So... What happened, man? What happened? I mean, <laughs> a lot of speculation has been thrown around on social media did she think Ruth was in that group? There's no way. There's no way she would have thought, oh, Ruth's in that chasing group and can sprint for the win because Ruth had just been on the front at the base of the Cowberg bringing Grace Brown back. So she would have known she didn't have any teammates in the group behind. Did she, was she afraid of Kasha? I mean, if you put the two of them like next to each other, Kasha is a better sprinter, but only barely. And... I mean, I honestly will hear from Taylor Wiles in a little bit who sent us yet another rider diary for the race. And it sounds like from what Taylor says that Eliza thought there was a bigger gap to the group behind, which also when she gave her final interview after the race, she did seem like very shaken. Like she didn't really know what just happened. Um, so she maybe thought they had a bigger gap or that the car was telling her, the people in the car was were telling her not to race. But as someone who knows Ina Tutenberg quite well, 
I find it hard to believe that, that, I mean, for sure she was supposed to work. So I don't know. Amy, what do you think? You look like you're thinking quite hard. <laughs> I'm in the pose. Um, I was going to say, I, I read somewhere, I think that she, she thought she was getting told not to work, but she was actually getting told to work with Cassia. I think I saw that somewhere. But what was really weird as well at the finish was that the, they got caught and then she like led Voss out. Is like, she didn't even try and, you know, sit in the group and come off someone's wheel. No, she led Voss out. Yeah. Basically. Watch it. It's literally as if she's she's given her a lead out. It, which... Yeah. It did make the entire situation a lot more bizarre. It just mm-hmm. very, very odd tactics. And maybe she, I mean, we talked about how she she really was a little bit too excited at Gent Webblegem. Um, and maybe she overcorrected a little bit too much at, at I'm so gold, but it's, it's hard with Aliza cause she's been racing for a really long time and I didn't race that long, but even I would have thought if I was like in her position going into the final 1.3 kilometers of I'm so gold, regardless of what the radio is saying, you work because I would rather anyone would rather sprint against one person than a chasing group of 10 or however many were in that group behind. And even if, even if Kasha, even if she felt like Kasha was maybe going to out sprint her second place is better than eighth. It's that thing where that we've seen before where it's like riders are almost scared to bring someone to the line with them that might beat them. But at, the risk of allowing a group behind to catch them. And then, so instead of like losing out on a podium spot, because they want to beat like one or two people they're in a move with, they allow a whole group to come back up and they lose out in completely. It doesn't really make sense. Like it, just in general, it's we're not going to know what went on in her mind, obviously, but from a tactical point of view, yeah, it's a numbers game. You don't have to watch that much cycling to know that your chances were better. And also, you look over your shoulder too, particularly when you're in that situation. You have to be aware of where the bunch is. And Cassia was yelling at her, probably thinking, why the hell aren't you working? Like, we've probably been here before, the two of us, or in a small group. Um, And, yeah, you never know what's going to happen. We've said it before. Look how Vanderpool just blew up at the end of, of Flanders and you would have guaranteed that he would have won that sprint. Um, but you, you gamble and yes, the odds are always better, better to get a podium than run eighth or wherever she was. And we know she can't sprint. So as soon as that bunch came back, there was no way in hell, even if she attacked them. And I think that's what she almost did is she came back and she thought, oh, I'll have one last crack, but it was, it just ended up being a lead out. Right. Um, or at least that's how it looked. So huge, huge tactical error on on her behalf, but she'll know that. I'm sure they debriefed it. Um, Trek is a fantastic team, as we've said before. So yeah, I it's hope all that about Lisa learning. doesn't read cycling tips though, because I I felt bad. I was like, I no, have to, I have to yeah. analyze this race. But you know, I love you, right? <laughs> Yeah, I'm just my the, the gut wrenching thing for me was that Cassia didn't even have a crack 
in the end that way. Oh, she and just like, like the second that <sighs> they brought back, she just threw in the towel. She looked so disheartened. But she was just so brilliant. Um, and I just love the way she races. You you would never see her ever do something like that. I mean, I don't want to put too much on Elisa at all. But um, for me, that was just the hardest thing because she's been like there knocking on the door this year. And I thought this, this was it. This was going to be the big win. Um, and she won there two years ago, right? So anyway, very just sad for her cool Voss one but i mean yeah yeah we should talk about the sprint because Voss yet again this was a race she'd actually never won before which is uh something that Voss does not get to say very often that it's her first time winning a race but it was her first time winning amstel gold and she almost nearly got pipped at the line by demi volering which like in in a rewatch, it wasn't close, but at the moment, you were like, Ugh, oh. He definitely thought so. Yeah. She the like, look on her face over. was like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we we love Voss, and, and we all three speak very highly of her and love it when she wins a race, so it was great to see her win, and we'll most definitely see more of that in the future races. She I just have to say, great form. One of these riders gonna learn not to post up like when it's that close. Like, really, I know you're excited, but for fuck's sake, like <laughs> you're giving us a heart attack on the other end of the screen, and like it's just so heartbreaking to watch. Yeah. Um, when it happens, and you can see the doubt in the face, and they're like, "Shit, I shouldn't have done that." Like, I thought it was much further ahead. And speaking of posting up just because we're on the topic of it. How is it possible to post up after you've won Flesh Wallon? Can someone explain that to me? Like, I don't know. How do you they... even have enough energy? Okay, but arms up? <laughs> Anna Vandenbergen looks like she just went for like a coffee I ride. Know, know. And like, she just happened to win the line, <laughs> the like town line sprint. She looks like fresh as a daisy crossing the finish line. Like there's no sweat. Her jersey's like perfectly, perfectly uncreased. <laughs> and she's just like, yeah, did it again. Seven years in a row. Before we get to Amso Gold, or before we get to Flesh Alone, though, we should hear what Taylor Wiles had to say about the Amso Gold race. Oh, hey. Taylor Wiles here, coming to you from the wonderful Vandervalk Maastricht Hotel where I feel like I've spent at least eight weeks of my life. Anyway, it's a great hotel. Better in the non-COVID times, but good nonetheless. Uh, yeah, today was Amstel Gold Race, which was a modified edition because we are we had to do only the circuit, which at first I was like, oh yeah, that sounds awesome. And then today during it, I was like, Ooh, ouch, this is painful um, and crazy, like absolutely crazy. I mean, our race, I would just watch the men's race and it looked so nice and calm compared to the chaos that was our race. Um, yeah, I started out and the, the 
the technicalness of the course. I mean, there's some crazy downhills and everything straight into um, really hard climbs. That There's two on the course. And on the second lap already, uh, a group of like a little over 20 kind of just rolled off the front due to it just being so technical. And it was great for us because we had Lucinda and Loretta up there. But I think the composition for a lot of the other teams was not <laughs> not what they wanted. So then the third lap literally felt like a final because you had all of the hitters attacking. Like Kazia attacked at one point and Vanderbregen attacked. And um, the SD Works riders just rode so hard and attacked so many times. And it just blew the peloton apart. Um, and I think after that we maybe only had a peloton of... Ugh, 80 at the most but maybe more like 60 um and eventually we came back into contact with the 20 at the front and then it was just on like it was on all the time our team was pretty aggressive trying to kind of form breakaways and and make moves happen and then yeah it was it literally was on the whole time there was no there was no tea party i usually don't eat gels in race but that was all i could eat today because it was just full gas um and then yeah in the final Eliza was able to go with uh um kazia's attack uh up the Kahlberg, and then i think we had admittedly just made a there was just a slight miscommunication and she thought she was supposed to sit on, but she, she wasn't obviously, um, she was supposed to work. So I think it was, she worked at first and then, um, yeah, she just misheard something and, um, yeah. So they were caught with about 300 meters to go, which is such a bummer because Eliza is such a fighter and so strong. And I think she could have, she could have at least podiumed for sure. And, um, her and Kazia both, and they both deserved it. So it was kind of a bummer to see that. And it's always cool to see Vasta win because she's a legend and she's still a legend and she's been a legend for ages. But yeah, it was a the team raced super well, so we're happy with that. Um, but disappointed, um, I'm disappointed for Aliza because I know um, she wanted more than that for sure. And yeah, we were we were we were done racing by before noon, really, uh, which is crazy. Um, so we got to come back to the hotel and eat lunch at a normal hour, and just we just watched the men's race. And I have to say, the boys Van Aert and Pickock really need to learn bike throws from Ruth because I think if you put her bike throw next to their bike throws, she would have won that sprint. Because her bike throw is way better. Neither one of them had the saddle to the boobs. Or, sorry, they don't have boobs. But, you know, you know what I mean. Um, Yolanda style, which Ruth perfected at Brabant's. And it got her the win. So, I think they they should probably practice their bike throws. I think it's me calling you out. Um, Wout and Pickock. Look at me calling out two of the best male cyclists in the world. Why not? Hey. YOLO. Anyway, um, oh, sad to see the men's on the men's side for us. Balka had a puncture at a bad moment, so that was a super bummer. He was he was in the group that was chasing them, so that was a bummer. But we had two riders in the in the breakaway and for all day long, and yeah. Anyway, their race 
was raced a lot more calmly, I believe, than ours. Ours was fireworks, which is women's racing, which is why everyone should watch women's racing all the time. Anyway, that's all for me for now. I'm, uh, yeah, tomorrow's just an easy-peasy day. I'm going to go to as many coffee shops as possible. And, yeah, peace out. All right. So we are recording this on Wednesday evening, which means we just finished watching Flesh Malone, a very odd race in that it's pretty easy to figure out what's going to happen. And for the last seven years in a row, as of today, Anna Vandebregen has won on the Mir de Wee. It was a pretty exciting finale. Like, if you look at the results after the race and you didn't watch the race, you'd be like, again, but not really, because we love Anna Vandebregen. And for some reason... It doesn't matter how much he wins. We always are stoked. <laughs> but it was a really, really exciting finale. Ruth got off the front. Um, she was brought back basically just on the base of the climb. And it was then a slow motion just crawl up the Mir de Wee to get to the finish. For a second, it looked like Kasia was going to take it. She maybe went a tiny bit early. But Anna Vanderbregen came around her at the end and uh, and won. So... I thought the the lead up to the last ascent of the the, the Muiruhi was really exciting. Um, Flesh Rulon, as we've said before, is quite often gets like not a bad rap or anything like that, but like like you said, it's predictable. There's usually one type of rider it seems that can win this race season to season. I mean, we saw in the men's race, Alaphilippe do it again. Um, but the whole racing in general from start to finish was really exciting. And Trek, I think, did a fantastic job sending Ruth off the front. She's in incredible form. Um, it seemed like they were beginning to pull her back and then she pulled away again mm-hmm. and then ended up coming seventh, which is phenomenal. So yeah. it just you know the strength of that rider. But, um, no, I was really excited. Like We've seen years before we have like 20 riders ride into the bottom of the climb or even a bigger bunch because people just assume it's going to follow the same pattern as every other year, right? And sometimes it's just not worth putting in the effort to have a crack beforehand. But um, it was really the top eight or I think there were eight in the front group, nine. It was a a very elite group that went on the... Oh man, I'm going to butcher this. On the Côte de Chandesguises? Let's just say the penultimate climb. On the penultimate <laughs> climb with 11 kilometers to go, uh, Anamik Van Vluten did a little move that really brought an elite group of riders out of the peloton. It, it had already been very significantly reduced at that point in the race, and Ruth was off the front with um, Elise Shabi in between the peloton and Ruth. Um, Elise Shabi also had an amazing ride today. I mean, she was in a break and then also tried to bridge up to Ruth when she, when Ruth was off the front solo. So I think she deserves an honorable mention, but when Van Vluten went, there was a group that contained a ton of just really impressive riders. I mean, it was Elisa, it was everyone who we've mentioned every single episode we've done this year. Elisa Longborghini, Kashini Wadoma, Anamik Van Vluten, obviously, Van der Bregen, Demi Vollering, and Cecile Utrecht-Ludwig, basically everyone who finished in the top 10. Um, Amanda Spratt was there, which we've not really seen a ton of her yet this year, but we, I mean, she always comes good at the Ardennes. It's her favorite races of the year. And uh, Juliette Lebu 
Libus, Libus from uh, from Team DSM, another team that we've not really seen like anything of them yet this year at all, um, which has been really interesting. Except for uh, Lorena Webus winning that midweek not World Tour race Sh- that was Shelter Price. Shelter Price, yeah, that was just like absolutely yeah. chaos. <laughs> um, Mavi Garcia also. So it was a really elite group of riders there. And the only person who had a teammate was uh, Anna Vandebregen with Demi Vollering. And I think Demi Vollering basically single-handedly pulled Ruth back into the base of the Mir de Wee. Like at this point in the season, Demi Vollering should be awarded the best transfer of the 2021 season. Mm-hmm. SC Works deserves a medal for picking her up because she's just been so valuable to the team Anna Vanderbregen like praised her in her post-race interview and said someone that young who will who will like give up her she was riding really well and completely sacrificed her ride to get Anna Vanderbregen into the bottom of the climb in perfect position so I don't remember what we were talking about and why I just went on that rant but how exciting the race was but you pretty much just summed it up yeah Um, it was really exciting regardless of the like who won the race, which was still an exciting final 100 meters. It was exciting up to the very line. And it really all started on that penultimate climb. But before then, it was still really aggressive the whole day. I mean, yeah, we know that if we know that you need at least 60 seconds going into the bottom of the climb to be able to win if you're not in that group, then I'm because the final kilometer takes like five minutes all of the rules about 10 seconds per kilometer go out the window. And so getting away from the race with that big of a gap, I think is a really hard ask, especially when the Peloton has been so organized. Um, There was a really good move earlier on in the race with um, Anna Henderson, Lucinda Brand and Elise Chubby. Elise Chubby, you said before, but she literally like went like three times. Mm -hmm. She got brought back and then she went again. She was so determined. And then it was such a shame. She crashed on a corner. Yeah, um, like going uphill. I was like, no. Yeah. Um, and I think she was like halfway to Ruth by then. So you never know what would have yeah, happened. Yeah, she was. But... Yeah, she was closer to Ruth than the Peloton for sure. Mm. Um, yeah, I think Anna Henderson's another one to shout out because she's been riding really well, working really well for Mariana Voss this season, who was missing from that front group. Um, I just have to say, though, like Anna Vanderbregen, so bloody impressive because Sunday, um, you know, she'd been sick, raced on Sunday. I was obviously working for for Demi that day, but um, still had a good effort. But she wasn't in that that last group um, that ascended the Kalberg. And then she shows up on Wednesday. I believe her parents were there to watch the race. Um, at least that's what the commentary was saying. And um, she wins it for a seventh time. And like Cassia was incredibly strong, as we know, and she showed the same strength she had on the Kalberg. Um, and I was, again, always impressed by her, but just like she really put it to Anna, like was really like matching her, um, getting up in like her grill a little bit, putting her to the side, like saying, you know, I'm here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was kind of like Cecile got quite close last year and I almost thought that maybe Cassia would get it, but 
you know, when you've won the race seven times, this is what my boyfriend was saying, you just know how to win it, right? And we saw in the men's race the same thing where I always say his name wrong, Roglic. Primoz Roglic? I don't yeah. say it right either, but it's close enough. Yeah, that actually sounded pretty good. Um, yeah, he put in an epic attack and then made Alaphilippe chase. And then, yeah, of course, he came over the top. But still, just having those balls to do it. Um, Cassia, one of my favorite riders. So would have been cool to see her get the win as well. But um, we still have Sunday coming, so you never know. Yeah, like it would have been so cool to see Cassia win, um, especially after Amstel and what happened there. But I don't know, maybe I'm getting soft in my old age, but I was just really happy to see Anna win a seventh one. And if you say her parents are there as well, now I'm just going to start crying. Like, that's so nice. <laughs> you sure? Like, okay, the commentary was in Dutch, but I'm pretty – my Dutch is, is almost there. Her parents were there with the dog, from what I can tell. Oh, my God. Which makes dog it as even well. greater. <laughs> I mean. You're pulling on all my heartstrings, man. Yeah. I know, <laughs> Hoping it would pull on Abby's as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, her post-race interview was was just great. I mean, she said it's it's weird sitting here thinking that it's the last time that she would she would win this race. And she said next year she won't be there to bother the girls and it would be up to someone else. I, I wrote a story on cyclingtips.com, uh, check it out, about why I think that she's won it seven times in a row. So I kind of do a deep dive into that, but I think it says so much about Anna Vanderbregen that she can win this race seven years in a row, and on the seventh one, we're still stoked to see her win this race. I think in order for us to understand this this love and appreciation for Anna, we need to do like, uh, you know, the podcast, We Hung Out or whatever it is. Oh, yeah, um, we got to hang out. Great, great podcast. We need to do, yeah, we need to do something like that, like hang out with her and understand mm-hmm. it. Like She's quite shy like and like quiet, though. That's what's well, funny is that it's like she doesn't have this like big personality in the media the same way that, like you know, Cecily Ludwig does or somebody, but somehow she still manages to be this really likable character. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's part of it. It's because she's so unassuming as well. Like a yeah. Federer in tennis, no? Like a Roger Federer? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm nodding like I know, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, maybe when she retires and she's a DS, she will agree to come on the show. Before we jump into what's next in the Ardennes week and the final, the end of the Ardennes week, we did also get a writer diary from Taylor about Flesh Flown. So let's hear from Taylor with a little cameo from Ruth Winder. Hello, Taylor Wiles here coming at you from the wonderful Vandervalk. Um, today was an exciting day. Um, uh, good day for the team. We rode together super well, some exciting stuff. Lucinda got an early break. Well, not really early, early-ish, early, semi-early break. Um, and was super hard. And then Ruth Winder just decided that she wanted to ride by herself for a while. So she put in a pretty sweet attack. She's here actually right now getting massaged by the wonderful Iban. Here she is. How did it feel to be off the front roof? It was so relaxing to be on my own and not in the bunch. <laughs> Today she wore a speed suit. 
which I think gave her all of the extra watts to be so super fast. And tell us about your experience up the Hui. Uh, yeah, so I've got, I was away for a while on my own and was just suffering away. And then on the Mio Dui, we, I got caught at the, at the base pretty much. But there's like a moment where it kind of flattens out a little bit when they really pass me and I kind of tried to cling to some wheels and I clung to some wheels and then um, I was with Amanda Spratt and Cecile Oktrick, which I think I say her name wrong every single time. And I'm really sorry, Cecile, which I'm probably saying her first name wrong too. <laughs> um, again, I'm really, really sorry. Uh, and then I felt like I could still have a little sprint in me and I sprinted past them for seventh and I could see Eliza, which was the most important thing, was just setting her up and making SD works do some work before the meal and she was looking like she was on the podium but it was hard to tell from my blurry visioned cross-eyedness but yeah she ended up on the podium doing an amazing bike throw I'm very proud of her to get third place yes it was a very exciting finish it could have been another photo finish she had to throw her bike we're becoming like quite the bike throwing team but you must learn never turn your computer off until you cross the line <laughs> but yes another great day for the team we're super stoked super happy and now we're even more excited for liege because we're just ready to boss it uh we've got three days hanging out in the, um, this wonderful vandervalk i have told ruth that she has to bake me something tomorrow because she's going to a location that has an oven and we have a lot of really ripe bananas so banana bridge would be nice I'm just putting in an order now um just small hints small hints um but yeah i will maybe talk to you from a coffee ride at some point that involves coffee and baked goods peace out So before we talk about Liege Bastogne Liege, the final Ardennes of the week, we also we have to talk a little bit about the run up, which is a really cool project that Trek and SRAM have partnered on to make that is a deep dive behind the scenes of the women's peloton in the lead up to races. It's going to be a series, but the first one is the run up to Liege Bastogne Liege. They have videographers within each team um, embedded into each team to get a lot of behind the scenes footage of their pre-race rides and their meetings and all of that good stuff. And they also have a ton of rider interviews. So Ahsoka Oliver Granat, who is the producer slash director of this project, to get a little bit of insight into what it is. Before we discuss it, let's hear from Oliver. All right, so we are here to discuss a documentary about women cycling called The Run-Up. I have Oliver here. Oliver, how's it going? Hi, it's going well. He's nervous for listeners. <laughs> so how did it? How did this project start from your point of view? Um, or first off, what is your role in The Run-Up? So my role in The Run-Up is that of director so we've got we're forming three teams so we've got shooters that will be following each team um and i'll try to be keeping an eye on that um 
without entering the bubbles and all those kind of things um and then me and another shooter will be filming extras and interviews with writers um yeah and then just making sure that we we get what we need for for the story um and and then overseeing the edit as well so how did the how did the project start and what is it about um the project started well i was approached by by someone uh, ryan bodge within trek um we'd been talking about um another documentary actually um and this just just worked out in our favor we could combine something um originally it was supposed to be based around um perry Rebay femme the first edition um but as we know now that wasn't possible um so we've we made a quick decision and and moved it to liege um yeah and then we've pretty much just been having a lot of back and forth chats trying to make it work which teams are you following so um we're following canyon shram trek segafredo and sd works cool i think we we cover a good amount of riders it's it's not impossible obviously to cover all teams but it would make things very difficult so i think we we've covered we cover three very good teams there that generally have well decide a lot of the action during all the races yeah for sure i mean truck segafredo and sd works so far this season have been the two strongest teams or at least the two most dynamic teams in terms of racing so and canyon stream is always exciting yeah and have some great characters on the team as well yeah so it was a bit split up with um with the teams obviously the team shooters go with um with the teams and stay within their bubbles and covered them um but myself and my producer and so forth we um and my shooter uh we uh we started already um on monday so what is that that's like a week before Amstel. the race yeah. yeah started at amstel on monday mm-hmm. um not not covering amstel or anything but already preparing with with interviews um and just getting a b-roll um shooters get in the day before uh, flesh and and already start filming the next day uh covering the end of flesh um to to already get moving on the story towards liege um yeah so though it's a bummer that you couldn't cover the run-in to perry roubaix it's kind of turned into a situation where you actually have this very interesting week of racing where there's three races within the week that you're not actually you're not covering the three races but they do make the build up to liege basson liege very different than any other race yeah of course um 
I mean, Liège is part part of the Ardennes classics, so it's it's not obviously not seen as one race, but it's 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 almost seen as a, an accumulation of races, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. It um, so it, Amstel has a lot to do with Liège and and vice versa, and and Flesh, of course. Um, and it's also just such tight race or the schedule so tight that riders don't generally have a, a lot of time to recover um, or even think about what's gone on in the, in the previous races. It's just on to the next and, mm-hmm. and try and make the best of it um, or or keep on with the success if, if that's what the teams have gotten. Mm-hmm. What was it like pivoting from Perry Roubaix? Because that decision probably had to be made pretty quickly with the announcement that Perry Roubaix was postponed only happening a couple of weeks before the race. Um, or did you think about waiting until October to to do the, the documentary? Um, well, it was obviously it was unfortunate with Roubaix. Um, it would have been an amazing start uh, to the series. Mm-hmm. But... I, I don't think it takes anything away from it um, because hopefully Roubaix will still happen. So it'll still be possible to, to carry on doing something there. Mm. Um, but of course, we've had to be quick and, and move the schedule so that we can do something on another race. Liège wasn't originally planned, um, but... The whole point of the series is to to promote women cycling, and um, and and get viewers to watch the races. Mm-hmm. Um, so, with that in mind, it it was still it was possible and and just a good opportunity to to move it. What's your interest in women cycling? Why women cycling and not men cycling? Well, I I don't actually believe that. Oh, for for me, it's it. I don't really. Yeah, of course, there's a difference, but um, I just have an interest in both. I think it's both have their sides of of racing and uh, culture around the sport. Um, it's not two completely different sports, but it's definitely two different ways of of tackling racing, um, and and it, it's interesting in two different ways. Um, so I'm still. I'm still very interested in men's cycling. I watch men's cycling as as much as I watch women's cycling. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty much whatever race is on. Um, is it bike put, racing? Yes, I'll watch it. <laughs> almost, <laughs> almost like that. It re- oh, of course, it depends on the on on the race, and, and but um, at the moment, obviously, uh, most of the women's races that are on are. Are almost always big races, so they mm-hmm. they're gonna be interesting. Um, so, um, but I I just I think that women's racing deserves a bit of attention. Um, there's a whole lot of focus on. No, it's I mean it's true. I mean I think that the men's side of the sport, having been uh, having so much more history than the women's side, gets more attention no matter what, just because of how much, how much more depth there is to the story. But I think for women, something about women cycling that people don't tend to, there's no way to edit it. Just so everyone knows there's a dog running around my feet and, um, she's famous on Instagram. So 
we'll allow it. Give her a follow. It's Myla official. <laughs> um, there's something interesting with women's cycling where you can actually follow all of the top characters throughout the season because there aren't so many races going on simultaneously. So a lot of the top riders go to the the same races as each other, which is something we don't really see as often in men's cycling. Um, so I think, I mean, of course, cycling is cycling, but I think that the two different sides of the sport are, are very different, more so than just the tactics of each race. Yeah, it's... I also just think that um, women's cycling is maybe just... It's a bit more accessible. Um, women are a bit more open to to the media or at least kind of communicating with the media. Um, it's not that the men are difficult, but it's there's just so much of it that um, they might ignore it sometimes or just not think it's, a, it's the same importance. Um, where I, I do kind of feel that sometimes that the women are a bit more ahead in that game, um, mm -hmm. that media just plays a role. They say thank you when whenever I interview them and the men, not in my experience. Thank you when you interview them. I mean, I spend a lot of time with one of the male pros and I, there are some very good ones out there, but um, it is interesting that the women uh, tend to be a lot more receptive of the media and and social media and what that means for their jobs yeah no, no definitely um it definitely makes my work a bit easier not that i feel like i um i i need too much or uh, ask for a lot um i mainly just kind of on that fly on the wall or then I do a few chats uh, mm -hmm. in interviews. Um, but it definitely just makes my job easier being able to communicate um, with writers without an issue um, where they just feel it's okay. Mm -hmm. So where can people watch the in the series? I didn't know it was a series. That's really cool. Yeah, so it'll, <laughs> it'll, it'll be a series or hopefully a series. Uh, hopefully everything become smoother along the way um so the idea is that we'll we'll cover different races uh, throughout the year televised races so that um, viewers can actually see the races um but um every episode will be put up on youtube and uh, be pushed from all parties involved mm -hmm. um and of, yeah so of course there'll be easy access to it and hopefully everyone you know, gives it a watch. Um, that's the whole point. The whole point is to to get the viewers' attention and get them involved in in women cycling and get interested. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's on cyclingtips.com. It's a great website. So if anyone wants to check it out, and Oliver, thank you so much for your time. All right. So. The run-up, really, really exciting project. And before we, it's coming out on Saturday, which means we can get this behind the scenes view of Trek Segafredo, SD Works and Canyon SRAM before the race. And I think those are 
the three absolute best teams to have this this uh, insight into going into Liege, Basel, Liege, based on how the last handful of races have been won. I think Cashini Wadoma is my out and out favorite to win Liege, Basel, Liege at this point. Um, but obviously, SD Works and Trek Sigafredo have been the the teams to watch for the last this year and for last year. So. It's a really awesome project. Highly recommend that everyone watch it. It'll be on cyclingtips.com, so you can check it out on there, but it's also on YouTube. I think it's so exciting. I think it's going to be really, it's a great way of showing people, like part of connecting to women's cycling, well, to cycling and sports generally is getting to know the characters behind it. And it's difficult with women's cycling when it doesn't get so much exposure for this to happen. So I think it's just going to be a really great way of doing that. Yeah. I think it's it's certainly, I hope a lot of um, the men's fans actually watch it or just people, just women or you just like, at least from my point of view, yes, we were former athletes, but you just fall in love with the riders. And I'm still so engaged and invested in so many of the athletes because um, you know personally who they are and what they do off the bike and their quirky little habits and all those sorts of things, which which just make the sport so interesting. And I think they've picked three perfect teams for that because Canyon Shram, okay, not necessarily um, pulling the same results um, as consistently as say SD Works, but their team is jam packed full of personalities. And um, I think, uh, yeah, it's just going to be brilliant and everyone should watch it. That's funny you said about the Formula One thing, though, because Ashley Mormon Passio literally compared them in the press conference they did the other day. So there's yeah. definitely parallels. Mm. Well, I mean, like, I was completely put off by the Formula One drivers, except for Bar, maybe a few, but that won't happen with, with, with this. People just no. want more. No, it's a it's a yeah. much more approachable sport, women's cycling, than Formula One, <laughs> yeah. with much more down to earth characters. <laughs> no offense to Formula, no one from Formula One listens to this podcast, so it's we can, it's fine, unless Botas listens to this podcast. I think I feel like maybe he would because he's really invested in women's cycling. So big shout out. He does great things for women's cycling, like just through posting about it on his Instagram. The amount of exposure that Canyon Stram has gotten from that is is a, a little bit insane. And it's and it is really awesome. So And he goes to all her races. Sorry, like it's just really it's really sweet. Like yeah. uh, it melts my heart when you see that. So very happy for Doesn't that show you as well though, like what would happen if like men Men, male cyclists like stepped up and actually started to be vocal about the issues in women's cycling and just support women's cycling like the following that they have and stuff like that I, don't know. I mean it would do a lot I think that it in one way men's cycling is only slightly less niche than women's cycling so I don't think that it would have as big of an impact as we want it to have but it does it is a little bit disheartening how of all of the male cyclists that I follow on the on Twitter, only one of them tweeted about the Mark Braca case. And he was in the convoy again today, just to remind oh, everyone of that fact. Well. Sorry to end on that bomb note there, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway. So, Liege, Basel, Liege coming up on Sunday. Who are our picks? How is this going to play out? It's a little bit like uh, like... 
am so gold in that it's many, many short, punchy climbs, but it is a longer run into the finish. Mm-hmm. Last year, we saw Lizzie Dagnan go away solo to take the win with Grace Brown close behind. Lizzie will not be racing this year, unfortunately. Um, but who do we think? I'm, I've am i already gone on the record. I think Cash is going to win this. I think it's time. It's got to happen. I mean, it's just, come on. Please. Yeah, I, I'd like to go with, with Cassia um, just because, yeah. A favoritism thing, maybe. We're not biased at all on this podcast, are we? <laughs> no, well, but to, to be fair, you and I have not had a love affair, but we we have been big fans for a very long time. We've also, like, we have been critical of Canyon SRAM in the past. So it's not like we're critical as well. So <laughs> I just want just I just want you to isolate that audio where Lauren goes, you and I have had a love affair. Or something. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. About the rumors. Get it going. Uh, Not beyond Amy, Girona. Who do, you, who do you think? No, Girona has enough rumors floating around. It. <laughs> <laughs> who do you think is going to win? Who's your um, Well, I'm probably not going to help the accusations of bias here because I would really like to see Ashley Moon Yeah. 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 But- Look, yeah, good choice. Here's, here's the logic now. <laughs> because, um, in the last few races, um, she's you know she did a really good turn on the front to bring the group back for Demi in Amstel. She's shown she's got the legs. She crashed today twice, um, but still managed to get up there and pull. Um, uh, wasn't Ruth. Was it Ruth? Was it event? She was that group. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so if she's not too badly, if she's not in too much of a bad way after those crashes, I think she could go well. And that is my definitely not biased opinion. Well, I'm sure SD Works would, based on the work that she's been doing, they're happy to share it around. So, I mean. I think that the only thing that could take away from Ashley Pasio going for this win would be Demi Vollering because she absolutely laid everything on the line for for Anna Vanderbregen in flesh and she's been riding so well and she got second at Amstel. I also would love to see Ashley win, but I feel that SD Works would probably give it to Demi over Ashley at this point. And she's sprinting well. So if a small group goes to the line. Um, if it's not, if it doesn't get, if it's not hard enough and so the final climb isn't selective or the final three climbs aren't aren't selective, then Demi can hold on over those climbs and can sprint to the win. <laughs> Dark Horse, Amanda Spratt for a podium? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know. It depends if the team is kind of, looks to Grace Brown. Um after she's been riding so well, but if they have both Amanda Spratt and Grace Brown in the mix, they they have two very good chances at winning. Mm-hmm. We haven't even talked about Treg Segafredo. Ruth Winder? Ruth Winder is in tip-top shape, beast mode. Um, I would be really happy for, for her to have a real crack. So not going out on these long attacks before the finish or working her ass off on the front, She's such an incredible, incredible rider, a domestique, and she can win in her own right. Um, 
So I think it's only fair. And to be honest, Elisa has had a lot of chances now. So, I mean, I hope that tomorrow they really protect her and give her a red hot crack. And she's fast at the finish too. So mm -hmm. if she's there in a select group, I wouldn't discount her. I think Voss, uh, if the race gets too hard, she'll be um, off the back on the, the last sort of climbs. So but never discount her either. Mm -hmm. There will be a preview on cycling tips. I've plugged cycling tips like to go on the cycling tips website like three times at this point, but <laughs> I am writing a preview for Liege Basel Liege that will come out about the same time this podcast comes out. So if you want to check out that, I break down the course and the moments to watch and all of the good stuff there. And, uh, I think that's it. Is that it? Yeah. And then that will be the end of the be Belgian campaign. One days. Yeah. Then yeah. we're on to some, um, Spanish racing. Elsa Jacobs before that. And Elsa Jacobs as well. It's not, well talk, not like a classic, but like a, a classic race, but not like a <laughs> classics. Like you get it. You get it. Anyway, we will be back next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Freewheeling Podcast. And uh, thanks to you two for your opinions and thoughts and feelings. <laughs> We've got plenty. 